Welcome to Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. I'm Chris. I'm Charlotte. We are the Pleasure Mechanics, and on this podcast, we have honest, explicit, wholesome conversations about sex, pleasure, joy, and connection. Come on over to PleasureMechanics.com, where you will find all of the resources we have lovingly created for you so you can experience more pleasure, more joy, more connection on your own terms in your own life. You'll find it all at PleasureMechanics.com. And when you are ready to level up your erotic touch skills or go on a guided erotic adventure with us, check out our online courses, which guide you stroke by stroke through mastering new skills, gaining confidence, and exploring new erotic terrain. You will find it all at PleasureMechanics.com. On today's episode, we are kicking off Pride Month. It is June as we record this. We just spent the weekend at a local Pride celebration. We got to dance by the river and return to the streets for a Pride parade, which it was actually really meaningful this year because it had been canceled for a few years. And so, you know, while Charlotte was pregnant, we were organizing the small town Pride parade. I helped run it for several years, but because of the pandemic, our daughter didn't have a lot of real conscious memories. She was like, I remember a day full of rainbows, but, (laughs) and so now this year we found ourselves explaining to her again, why we have pride parades, um, what it means to be gay even, um, because in her world, queer is so normal. We had to kind of explain to her the history of pride. And as we told our daughter, as we were dressing up, we looked amazing, by the way. (laughs) The theme for Pride was out of this world, which is the theme I had picked three years ago before Pride was canceled. And so we got to be sexy, cosmic, silver, shining, sparkling beings for the day. It was delicious. I thought of us as stardust. Mm -hmm. We were a family of stardust, all in silver and sequins. You are stardust, honey. (laughs) It was beautiful. And so one of the things we told our daughter as we paraded through the streets was that pride is for everyone. We all can come out as our truer erotic selves. We can all come out for what we believe in, what we stand for, and seek the erotic liberation for us all. Right? So in this trajectory where pride was originally a protest in a culture where being homosexual, being gay, or being gender deviant was not only a crime, but a sin and a medical diagnosis. And we've talked about this before on different episodes. We will link, as always, to further conversations in the show notes. But this is the history of erotic liberation. Queer people have fought for more space, more permission, more ability to be our truer selves, and we have all benefited from that. So no matter how straight or how cisgender you identify, right, how quote unquote normal you think you are or maybe question you are, right, pride is for all of us. Coming out is for all of us. We all have a stake in claiming more erotic freedom and in experiencing what that means on our day-to-day life right? Like, what is the importance of coming out of being who you are sexually, 
in our day-to-day lives, and this is a lot of nuanced conversation we've been having because Charlotte and I are in a new wave of coming out to our friends and our family. And we're going to talk a little bit about that after being out for over half our lives now. We both came out as queer as teenagers, but now we have a new coming out and it's raising a lot of questions and tender topics. So this is what we're going to be talking about today. What does coming out mean? What is all of our stake in it? How can we all come out? And what is at risk, but also what are the benefits? What can we create when we come out? What do we generate culture-wise when we as individuals get more honest about who we are as erotic beings? When some of us choose to come out, we do make more space and create more erotic freedom, both for ourselves and for each other. Right. We're inviting you into an intergenerational project. So I said, you know, Charlotte and I came out as teenagers and that puts us in the, you know, young elders boots in this community. And we felt that at Pride Parade with Mm -hmm. all the beautiful children. But we came out into a paved path from our elders who came out. And we were lucky to know some of these elders who came out into a culture where there were no spaces. There was no safe space, right? We're going to talk on this episode about trying to find safer spaces to come out and kind of practice being more authentic in. But we have to give honor and thanks to our elders who came out into the fires Mm -hmm. of a culture that was actively persecuting, arresting, criminalizing, hospitalizing. For a lot of our elders, coming out meant risk of life itself or freedom in terms of incarceration or hospitalization in mental asylums. And I've met these folks and massaged their feet and listened to their stories. And so, and we come out and we are free, we choose to be ourselves for the children, for the coming generations. Um, And that is kind of the invitation here is to join this intergenerational movement towards more freedom. Mm. Right? I'm so aware of that. I feel like when we came out, I know when I came out at 14, I didn't know anyone else that was out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there wasn't that level of of violence or uh, risk for me, but I didn't know anyone or I I didn't see anyone. And now as we're walking through the pride streets, like us with our kid, I'm aware of eyes on us watching Mm -hmm. um, and making more possibilities for the younger queers. And like, it's just, it's exquisite and beautiful to be a part of this rich history. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. that so many are, of us are a part of. And here's an acknowledgement that as we talk about coming out, and we're going to talk about coming out along all different axes, right? So when you hear coming out, you might think of gay people, queer people, lesbians, maybe even trans people, right? The idea of coming out has expanded. But we want to say coming out is for all of us. We all have something to come out about to be more authentic to take up a little bit more space with that authenticity and to seek and give permission towards a world of more honesty, really, because coming out is really about being your truer self, being your honest self in a world that insists on binaries and in a world of assumptions. And this is a big point we want to make here is that coming out is only necessary into spaces of cultural assumptions. If we didn't assume things about one another, we wouldn't have to come out. 
And so as we work towards that world where we can all be our unique, individual, beautiful, like beautiful kaleidoscope slice of a self, right? Like we're all so unique as erotic beings. And this is one of the things that fascinates me most. And when I say like seek your constellation of pleasures and find when we say authentic, it's a loaded word. But what we mean is your truest self right now in the process of becoming. Mm. It's not a fixed point. You don't have an identity. You have a being that is always becoming. And so you get to be true about who that self is right now. That's the invitation. And then to share that. So when coming out, it means taking what's internal and making it known, expressing it, inviting it to be witnessed and inviting it to be interacted with. Right. And we want to acknowledge here as we start talking about this, different people along these axes and along axes of privilege have different risks associated with coming out. Coming out as in different ways at this point can still be a life threatening proposition or being outed. Right. And again, the difference between coming out yourself as an act of agency versus being outed as an act of, you know, someone calling you out as being different when you're trying to hide for safety, but it, it costs people different things. So we want to really talk about this, the risks, the social risks of coming out and what we can all do to lower those risks, right? Create a culture that is safer for us all, but then what can be gained by coming out? Why do we encourage one another to come out? And I want to hear, read the words of Harvey Milk, great gay ancestor, assassinated out gay politician in San Francisco in the 70s, who was one of the first real leaders of the gay liberation movement, and who encouraged people to come out both as a personal act of liberation, and as a political act. And what we would see is his words were really true that the act of coming out was one of the things that quickly built the gay liberation as a political movement, and why so many of us, yourself included in whatever way, enjoy so much more erotic sexual freedom now, a mere 50 years later, right? That's not even a full generation. And sex culture, queer culture, the culture of gender expression, like think about how far we've come in those 50 years. And we have ancestors like Harvey Milk to thank. So I'm going to read a short excerpt from one of his speeches now, and we want to use this as kind of the invitation for this episode. Why do we come out? Who is it for? And what can be gained? So Harvey Milk said in 1978, and again, he was one of the first out gay politicians, elected politicians in San Francisco who would soon be assassinated uh, in a very famous case. Um, so he said through a microphone, right? Gay brothers and sisters, you must come out. Come out to your parents. I know that is hard and will hurt them, but think about how they will hurt you in the voting booth. Come out to your relatives. Come out to your friends, if indeed they are your friends. Come out to your neighbors, to your fellow workers, to the people who work where you eat and shop. Come out only to the people you know and who know you, not to anyone else. But once and for all, break down the myths. Destroy the lies and distortions for your sake, 
for their sake. Mm. And what I love so much about these words is that it encourages us to come out over and over again at all of these different sites of social belonging, our family, our friends, where we work, where we patronize, our political communities. And that is about saying, I am here, right? As we say in the queer community, I am here, I am queer, get used to it. But it's also about that invitation, right? And so I really want to focus on this on about how coming out is both this personal liberation, we don't have to hide anymore. It's one of the biggest shame slaying strategies, right? Because on the other side of coming out is belonging and connection. But coming out is also a gift. And it's a gift we give to others and to culture at large. By being your true self, you give permission to others to be their more true self and that we can all get rid of these boxes and binaries and limiting constraints and attitudes and antiquated myths that constrain us all that cause so much suffering that we unpack episode after episode here on the podcast untangling these knots of like what it means to be a man and what that means about your body and who you want and how you desire them and that whole package deal when we all come out as unique individual erotic expressions of the divine, right? If we all come out as who we are, those package deals fall away and we get to choose more authentically. Who are you right now? Who do you want to make love with and to and how? How do you want to love and be cared for? Where do you belong and who do you belong with? Who are your people? And coming out is about that. It's about finding your people. And this piece of coming out to the people that you know is in part about making connection. It is people who care about you then have to look at their own assumptions and judgments and perhaps question them and break them down in order to accept you. Or to see you more fully, right? Yeah. And so this is part of the cultural project as like, as we care about people who come out about all sorts of variety of things and Chris named some of them but there are others as well coming out as a sex worker coming out as asexual there are so many different ways we can come out Mm -hmm. so after the break I do want to walk us through like the coming out process and not that it's a linear process but like the stages of it the scale of it the places the sites where we can come out Um, But for now, I do want to just kind of invite us all into this question, because we've said and we've mentioned different axes of sexual orientation, gender expression, relationship style, kink and lifestyle, asexuality spectrum, aromantic spectrum. So you might be a highly sexual person who doesn't want a long term relationship and is constantly being asked, like, when are you going to settle down? Um, you might be an asexual person in a committed relationship and people are making assumptions about what you do together. There's all sorts of assumptions people project onto us. And so there's this dual thing, right? There's the cultural project that we're going to deputize all of us into of getting more curious and stop making assumptions about one another. But then there's also countering assumptions when they're made, choosing moments to come out, And kind of doing the self-inventory of like, what is important to you about who you are as an erotic being that you want seen and known and respected? 
Right. And so you don't have to come out like this. You can still have privacy. Right. And you can come out to different people in different ways. And we'll talk about that after the break. You don't have to come out all at once about everything and wear a T-shirt with all of your kinks listed to your church group. Right. That is not the intention. But as you occupy your different sites of belonging, your different social circles, your family, your friends at work, how do you want to be seen and known? And what could you do to come out more fully as yourself and as an act of breaking down myths and assumptions? And so here I'm thinking also a lot about my, you know, bisexual friends and about my femme presenting queer friends who people assume are straight. And they have to make, and they're in a relationship with perhaps a husband who other people assume are straight, even if that husband is also bi. So we can have two queer people in a marriage and all of the assumption about that relationship is that they're both straight as an arrow. So how do we confront that assumption at what places and sites in our life and what might be the benefit of doing so? I just want to highlight this point that you've just made, Chris, because I feel like it's so beautiful and important that the process of coming out is only required in a culture that thinks that we all are supposed to be quote unquote normal and then that we deviate from that and need to come out. Perhaps we can work on together building a culture where it we, it's more of an assumed choose your own adventure where we make space for people to be themselves and then we ask questions about what they're interested in and allow people to have more agency and choice around who they become and are. Mm-hmm. Right. We just saw some old college friends and got to sit down at a bench we used to sit at 20 years ago and we sat down as two new friends. And it's like, what is real for you right now? And because we had the sense of safety between us, we could be really honest with one another. And it was delightful to get to know someone anew. And this spirit of curiosity, I think, is, again, we talk about it a lot on this podcast, but it is this skill that if we all cultivate it and start growing it and then sharing it and deploying it, it's kind of contagious. And it's it's everything. It's an erotic skill, the skill of curiosity, because it's meaning that we're not seeing anything as fixed and we're wondering about what's what's next or what shape is that or it's not making assumptions. It's a really beautiful quality to bring to all aspects of our world. Mm -hmm. And it is kind of queering life in a way. Hmm. (laughs) We're making it more erotic, I think, at least. Yeah, definitely. It's Mm. what is true right now with a certain sense of wonder and eagerness to find out. Um, And if we can ask that about ourselves too, because sometimes if I ask this question, like, what are you ready to come out about? You know, we make that invitation. Some of us might have a whole list. Like Mm -hmm. I've known that I am queer and kinky my whole life, but I've never had a space to come out about that. Or I've known that I've been really a foot fetishist my whole life, but I've never told anyone about it. I've just surfed online, Mm -hmm. right? So many of these sexual pieces of ourselves that have only been private and are just aching to come out, aching to be seen. To Um, be shared. 
because there's being seen but then there's being shared so that then you can have connection around it you can enjoy the the pleasure the desire the eros that lives in that experience so there's so much that can happen that's delicious in the sharing of Mm -hmm. someone who has a same desire Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just last week we were talking about the Woodhull Freedom Foundation mm. and the summit we're going to this summer and inviting you to that. And this is the sense of you can have community around your sexuality, but also around your values and your beliefs, mm-hmm. right? So some of us have queer community around our identities or our interests, our fetishes, just like there are hiking clubs and sewing circles and prayer circles of all kinds, right? Humans love to gather around their shared passions. Mm. And sexuality is a place where so many of our interests and passions live, but very few of us get permission to build community around that, to geek out together and learn together, right? So some of what happens when you come out and you find other people that share your interests. So whether you come out as poly and you meet other parents in your children's school who are also in an open relationship, you now can have dinner and talk about strategies and feel less alone and hear about how they manage date nights and maybe even learn new strategies that help you navigate your open relationship better, right? Like by sharing, we learn, we connect, we grow. And we also just feel less alone. Mm. And so many of you are listening to this podcast, partly for a sense of being less alone in this world. And we are here for you. We will always be here for you. We love you. And it's really nice to have local community or online, highly specialized community that meets you right where you're at. It's so important to have some space, virtual or in person, that is accepting and celebrating of this, whatever it is for you, especially when you have your natal family or whatever who aren't so understanding like in that situation, it's so important to have community so that you can be accepting of whatever it is and have other people share that like we need to have acceptance and and community around these subjects or we can't do it alone yeah yeah and you're not alone because you're with us but the more we can build the sense of belonging the better and we'll talk a little bit about seeking these connections more actively in the second part of this podcast we want to take a minute to thank our sponsors for helping make this episode happen Big love to DipsyStories.com. At Dipsy Stories, you will find a treasure trove of audio erotica, soundscapes, and first-person audio stimulation that feels like a hungry lover coming for you. We both love using Dipsy Stories to relax, to turn on, and to expand our horizons. One of the delights of coming out is tapping into the erotic charge of who you are, what turns you on, and what makes you specifically tick. At DipsyStories.com, you will find stories that range from romantic to raunchy, from mild to wild, and you can find what turns you on specifically. Go to DipsyStories.com slash pleasure 
for a free 30-day all-access trial so you can explore what Dipsy Stories has to offer you. That's Dipsy Stories, D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pleasure for a free extended trial so you can explore, turn yourself on, and come home to yourself a little deeper. That's dipsystories.com slash pleasure. We also want to thank our sponsor, uberlube.com. Uberlube is a high quality premium silicone lubricant that is body safe, condom compatible, and can be used for just about any sex act where you want more slip, slide, and glide. Buying your first bottle of lube is a rite of passage, and keeping your lube supply fresh is an act of self-care. Prepare for the pleasures ahead with a fresh bottle of beautiful silicone lube at uberlube.com. Use the code PLEASURE for 10% off and free shipping. That's uberlube.com, U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E, uberlube.com. And use the code pleasure for 10% off and enjoy the slide of a beautiful glide wherever you like it. Yes, mm-hmm. you will find all of the links for our sponsors and the generous discounts they offer you at pleasuremechanics.com toolbox. That's pleasuremechanics.com toolbox to find some of our favorite pleasure tools and the generous discounts from our sponsors. Cheers. All right. So no matter what kind of coming out we're talking about, and what's so fascinating to me is as we see sex culture changing, right? Charlotte and I both came out as early teenagers. I started the gay club in my private high school. Charlotte was the first gay person she knew at hers. Um, We both went to college kind of specifically to find a safe place to be gay, right? Um, So that was our generational experience 20 years ago. And we now have friends who are raising children who at three, four years old are out as who they are, whether that's being trans, whether that's being non-binary, whether that's being a little boy loving boy and just enjoying being a gay boy at five, six, seven years old. And so their experience of coming out is different. Meanwhile, my uncle, my mom's twin brother, had to spend his life closeted and only got to come out at 60 something and is now living his best gay life. And I've got the gay uncle I've always wanted. And we have a whole new point of connection within our family because he was finally able to tell his truth and be who he is and take the risk that he was never able to take earlier in his life. And so no matter where you are generationally or culturally and what you have to come out about, right? You might be aching to come out as bi. You might be aching to come out as gender non-normative. Maybe you've been hearing about non-binary gender expression and like have aha moments and you realize like this is your truth. Um, And maybe you've discovered something new about yourself recently, right? Some of these discoveries are not like latent truths we've been hiding our whole lives. We don't all know everything about ourselves as five-year-olds. 
So you can have the luxury and the permission to constantly be discovering who you are, to be growing, be changing. And with that constant growth and change is the invitation to come out. I love this idea that we are emergent beings and just to be gracious with ourselves that 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 we are always becoming. It's such a beautiful idea. And before we get into all of the how, I just again want to name that you are allowed to be strategic around who you come out to and when you come out to. It is so important to take care of yourself in this process. And some of us have that luxury and some don't, right? Mm -hmm. So when we say be strategic and weigh the risks, you know, coming out has different implied risks for different people. And only you can kind of assess that for yourself. But some people never get the choice to come out and they are outed as children just because of the nature of their difference. While other people are aching to be seen, but meanwhile are so normative appearing perhaps that they are constantly overlooked even when they're flagging gay, Mm -hmm. right? Like I have friends that are like, how many pride pins do I have to wear to be taken seriously here? (laughs) And so this is a conversation to have with yourself with the stakeholders in your life, right? We sat with a couple the other day and, you know, his wife was really giving him permission to come out, but he wasn't sure he was ready to come out. And so it's like the people around you can be rooting you on, but you can still be in your own internal process and not be ready. Let's walk through some of these stages that we cycle through. And again, this is not linear. These are stages I am like now in some of these stages for the first time after 20 years of thinking I could be no more out than I am, you know, (laughs) I walk this world like visibly queer. I walk this world. I'm very public about my kinks. Um, But in coming out recently as poly and starting to date cis hetero men for the first time in my adult life, I'm having all these questions again. And so it's, we said it starts internal. You realize something wants to be expressed There's something pushing against assumptions or norms. Um, Sometimes it can be felt as a struggle, but it doesn't have to be. Coming out doesn't have to be a a thing you have to struggle with. It can be like this thing wants to be celebrated, right? I'm in love for the first time in my life and I want it to be seen or I want to shave my head and walk this world differently. um, And that feels really right right now. So whatever piece of you wants to be expressed, like first, like naming it and kind of honoring it and giving it a little bit of internal space. Mm. Sometimes that starts with fantasy, right? Where are your sexual fantasies taking you? Where are your desires and longings taking you? Um, And how do you give them just internal space? And again, as we said in the last couple episodes, like without judgment, with an attitude of curiosity, How can you be your own first best ally here? You're allowed to give yourself permission to want, to desire, Mm -hmm. and to accept that knowing that is within you. Mm -hmm. Because we can have a knowing and then we can reject it or push it away. But there's there's an act to accepting it. And again, getting curious about it. Like if you're fantasizing about cocksucking Mm -hmm. and it's like you don't know what it means. One of my favorite lines from Coach Charlotte. Charlotte has been like the most amazing (laughs) coach through all of our poly opening because, you know, we'll talk more about this on future episodes and we'll share more of our story as we go. 
Um, but essentially I've been dating for a year and Charlotte has not. And so she's been my incredible dating coach. And one of the things she said to me over and over again is it doesn't have to mean what you think it means. Mm-hmm. Just like this wise ass shit that I pull out of my pocket all the time. Cause like, if you're fantasizing about something, if you're having desires, part of that internal struggle is what you think it might have to mean. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to mean what you think it means. We can get curious. So if you're fantasizing, you know, about a new sex act, like cocksucking, for example, and it doesn't match your perceptions of who you think you are, or who you should be, right, then we can kind of pause there and get curious about it. And is it the sensations? Is it something about the gender expression? Is it your gender expression? Or is it someone that you want, right? And again, pulling apart that difference, who you are, and who you want, are two different orientations. How much you want people is a whole other axis of orientation, right? And so we change along these spectrums. And so things change, they shift in our lives. And if we can get curious and be like, what is this new desire, emergent want, something that wants to be expressed through me, notice what attracts you, what turns you on, what is wanting to be expressed through you, and what might be ready to come out, (laughs) right? Because as much as we come out, things come out through us, Mm. erotic expression, right? Hmm. Okay, so how do we get curious about this? I'm in the land of cocksucking still. How do we get curious about it? Give it space and permission to kind of just talk to us. When we say like, it doesn't have to mean what you think it means, you can get curious about it. There's this process of just like staying in tender dialogue with it. Maybe doing some research, right? And so this takes us into our first step of kind of externalizing it. And it can either be a conversation with someone you really trust or you start reading or watching watching porn that is expressing what you are fantasizing about reading erotica. or documentaries or or, docu- or learning your history mm-hmm. i mean there's so many ways but beginning to take some tangible action that is allowing you to explore this identity or kink in a way that makes it real and enters your life and in this moment like once we make our desires more public this is partly where our own judgments and our own stories and concerns and fears do come up and it's a moment to unpack them to question them and that's where it is essential to have other people who might be further along in their acceptance and celebration um, of this facet of yourselves to hold you and create a space of belonging as you work through some of those pieces And so in those early conversations, if someone comes out to you or you're ready to come out to someone or you're sharing something new about yourself in a new way, again, returning to the spirit of curiosity here. And a lot of people kind of fumble here and get stressed and tense and then break connection, right? We want to talk about staying in social connection, even when it's uncomfortable, One of the ways that connection is broken is people worry about saying, quote unquote, the wrong thing or about fumbling or about saying something that's not right or correct. And there's a lot of hypervigilance about this now. And so we can correct for that with a spirit of curiosity, with a sense of joyfulness and an open heart without a demanding to know other people's business. And we want to talk about schools and workplaces and community groups as a primary site of creating belonging, 
of coming out as who you are, of bringing your erotic politics, like we were talking about last week, like bringing your sexual identity and your erotic politics of joy and liberation and belonging for us all into our workplaces, right? A lot of workplaces have queer affiliation groups. A lot of workplaces are dealing with questions of trans inclusion and healthcare, but also these questions of, you know, health plans in general, like that is an issue of sexual freedom because it impacts access to things like birth control and reproductive access. Um, I just talked to someone whose workplace covers therapy for their children and it's like that allowed their trans child to come out safely and then they were able to go into work more fully, right? And so how do we expand these conversations in our workplace? It's by bringing our full identities to the table and that identity can include being the parent of a trans child or the partner of an HIV positive person, or the partner of someone who's going through transition, and so you have to make sure your health plan is trans inclusive, right? And so there's all these opportunities for us all to become allies and advocates for one another across our differences, by what we have in common, by our values and our ethics. And we invite you into those spaces, into those conversations. And being here with us on the podcast is one way to do that. But seeking these local places where you can come out as your full erotic self and as an ally and advocate for the safety and wellness and pleasure for others. And so much of this is an attitude. And what I want to invite us in is just like generate this attitude in all we do in how we talk about one another's bodies and how we affirm one another in our generous and compassionate presence. And then we become someone who is safe to have these conversations with. Mm-hmm. Be a bastion of permission and freedom for one another. Right, because when we hold that space, we make more space for other people. And I just want to clarify that when you're saying, like, go into spaces and be your full erotic self, I just want to clarify, I think what you mean by that is, like, you're going into the school board and you don't have to tell everyone that you're really into being kinky. But what you are standing for in that space is that we teach kids about gender and choices and autonomy over their own body. Like, you are a person that is standing for consent and and so it's in that kind of way that you are holding sexual possibility and freedom and autonomy and then sharing that in your places of work or school boards yeah i just want to name that and like taking what we learn as free erotic beings into these other conversations and so you can stand up for the kid who's being bullied on the playground because you've done some work and practice mm-hmm. around consent, communication, and body autonomy because you're kinky. And you value that. And you stand there in your well-polished boots. And yeah. you don't have to wear your leather harness to the PTA meeting. But you are who you are. Yeah. And that will be contagious. Mm-hmm. This is what I mean. Because the other part of this, we didn't even talk about the experience of being closeted. Mm. And the experience of having to hide parts of yourself, having to code switch, having to deny parts of yourself to fit in, that is a toll, that is a drain, that is a waste of our resources as human beings. And so the more we can clear ourselves of those drains, of those takes from our identity. Like energy leaks. Yes, we can then give more, we can show up as who we are in our full power, in confidence that we belong. Right. 
on the other side of shame is belonging and knowing there are people who have my back. I am loved. I am part of a community. I am part of a lineage. Yeah. And if things get shitty here, I can go back to my people who know me and see me and will hold me in my whole true self. And it is a journey to find that community. They don't necessarily like pop up, but you can seek that out and you can keep looking for them and creating them over time and fine tuning and emerging. But it's important. It's valuable. And we are here for you. We are here for you week after week. Our forever home, pleasuremechanics.com, where you will find hours and hours of joyful, permission-giving conversation. Mm -hmm. And we invite you to step into this, whatever it looks like for you. If you want to join us at the Woodhull Freedom Foundation Sexual Freedom Summit this summer mm-hmm. for a deep dive into what it feels like to be in a community of belonging, you'll find that link on the show notes page of this week as well. And last week's episode was all about that. And be in touch with us. We are here for you. We are part of your community and we are listening And if you want to share your voice with us and possibly other listeners of this show, you can leave us a voicemail or sound off at pleasuremechanics.com slash hello. That's pleasuremechanics.com slash hello. And let us hear your voice. I'm Chris. I'm Charlotte. We are the Pleasure Mechanics. Wishing you a lifetime of pleasure. 